So uh, welcome everybody to actually what is the first uh, podcast of 2021 for the new Soul Waves uh, podcast. If you've been following me on the Zone Show, you realise that uh, I put that podcast into mothballs uh, at the end of last year, uh, and this year I'd be podcasting earlier had I not published a book in in January, and I started the meditation series and ambient album inspired by the book. Uh, but very much part of my uh, what I'm doing going forward is to talk to people about the concept of soul waves. And I can't think of a more perfect guest to start off the new podcast than Jane Murray from Peace Beam, because I've got a suspicion that peace beams and soul waves are actually one and the same thing. So Jane, you used to be a lawyer, a venture capitalist, but then a, a, a by day and then a philosophy student and teacher by night. Tell me, tell me what, what is a peace beam? What are peace beams? What's the concept of a peace beam? Where does it come uh, from and to in your life? Um, sure. Well, thank you very much for having me on your first podcast, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yes, that is true. I, uh, I am still a lawyer, in fact, um, and I was a venture capitalist for a long time before I started uh, peace beam. And Peace Beam arrived, it's, uh, you know, it's always very difficult, I think, as, you know, we were chatting before that you, sometimes it's hard to recall how these things sort of materialized in one's life. But it was during the summer of 2016, um, where we had the Brexit referendum in the UK and the election cycle in the US that was, you know, very disruptive. Um, and it felt to me certainly living in London and being a commuter at that time, that the levels of negativity that were circulating were astonishingly high. And I found for myself, for somebody who'd had quite a long term practice of mindfulness and would have considered myself, um, you know, somebody who was able to respond as opposed to react, was finding it extremely difficult to do that, particularly on the commute, particularly, you know, when we're around a lot of people. I was at a kind of a pivot point in my life then, um, having had that strange sort of day job. And then in the evenings, I was a, I was a teacher of fourth way philosophy in those days. I, I, I was struggling to reconcile those two worlds, really. I think that's a common experience for people when they reach a particular time in their life and you think there's a choice point. It's either I really begin to fully live my values and my authentic self or not, and there are consequences that run from both of those things. And there was a point in 2015 where it was possible to make a different decision. But Peace Beam itself as an idea arrived really fully formed for me. It was just a realization one day on the train that if we could all just have a few short moments to reset, to bring our nervous systems back down, that we could start viewing each other through these really colored lenses that we were uh, of antagonism and fear that was really circulating in those days. And that with the, it was the idea that, you know, we can move from anxiety to connection or um, isolation to belonging quickly. It doesn't have to be, you, you know, a 10 day Vipassana retreat or whatever, you know, uh, that you have to take up for that. So the, the idea of the peace beam was that it was five minutes where the listener could be brought into uh, coherence, heart and breath and mind coherence, 
connect to themselves and to the world around them. And then crucially, make that that energy available to people that they meet. Because one thing that I had found from some of the meditation or mindfulness traditions was that they sort of stop short of making the energy that you access available to everybody else. And so that's where the idea that, you know, mindfulness when combined with kindfulness becomes this incredibly powerful wave of energy. So that's where it came from. And, um, and we've gone from there. So the idea formed in 2016, and then it's taken us a while to sort of put some form around that as it always does. Wow. So, because you're a great lover of words, uh, I hear. So, initially, then it's you beaming some peace from your heart into somebody else's world, but then a peace beam then becomes a thing. And I guess that if you get irradiated by a beam of peace, you then become a uh, a radiator of peace. So it's like a, a, a nicely infectious thing. Obviously, we're, we're recording yeah. this podcast exactly. in the time of a, a not so nice infection. But have you got that idea that oh, are you using that model? It becomes nicely infectious. Well, I think in the same way that um, negative energy is infectious, positive energy is too. You know, kindness is um, it can be viraled if you like. You know, where where we experience kindness from another person it 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 puts us directly in touch with our own capacities for that Mm -hmm. and then so so, and and then the the beam of that energy if you like is amplified through each of us we all become amplifiers for the energy that is circulating at a particular time or in a particular community um so so yeah i think it does it does become a thing i mean it's obviously it's it's not tangible in a physical sense but it's certainly tangible in the emotional and psychic and um, mental field for for everybody right. yeah so so we bumped into each other or our, our soul waves and peace beams bumped into each other on the wonderful app which is insight timer and i know that um because this podcast will end up on insight timer as well people on there will get it how does it go down in those worlds of the legal world and the venture capital world that you come from. I mean, is those and and uh, you know some of the political worlds where that it's it's tough in those worlds. You know, it really is a lot of fear and anxiety and and negativity. I always think that the negativity is just positively not pointing in quite the right direction. But how does those old worlds worlds that you used to inherit um, accept the concept of a peace beam? Well, I think initially. When when we when you know when we started out and we started out as a social movement and then just because it's in my blood and in my nature I understood that there was a possibility for Peacebeam to become uh, a company and an entity in and of itself. So we went out in the early days um, to pitch to my kind of network, which was available at the time, and it was a real struggle. So 2016, 20 well, well it would have been 2017 really was a real struggle to convey these ideas and I knew it would be um we, we weren't just talking about peace beams but we were talking about from the kind of structure of the company as well that it was our intention that any of the capital in the company even though we were a private limited company but any of the capital in the company would then be made available to um peace related projects or heart-based projects that ordinarily wouldn't have access to capital so it was you know we were going with a really radical approach which i knew wouldn't go down because i mean i obviously have been on the other side of the table for a long time 
But it, what has been really fascinating to me, Tom, is that in the last three years, and it has been exponential in the last 12 months, that the understanding of what is intended from a company like Peacebeam, what we mean when we talk about the need for us to understand the value of humanity, the value beyond our narrow understanding of capital, what we mean by the viraling of kindness, the ripple effect, all of a sudden has become almost common parlance. And I was absolutely astonished to be invited just at the close of 2020 to talk um, for, uh, as a thing called Kindfest, which was this huge uh, online festival where people were talking about kindness, the power of kindness, what, you know, the, the emanation of kindness, the ripple effect, how it is the tapestry of the world that we live in. And I was one of, I don't know, maybe 40 people who were being interviewed from a work point of view, from a business point of view about what this means and how important this is for building a new economy, imagining a new world. So I think what's happened in the last three or four years from, from really going from where you might as well have been speaking, you know, Mandarin in a, in, a, in a room of English speakers to all of a sudden everybody really understanding it has been, has been astonishing to me. Wow. Yeah. It's made me realize that, you know, that we, we take words for granted, don't we? And, and the world, the word humankind could mm -hmm. be reimagined as the human is kind. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that, that there, there is a, there is a unique power in, and I believe, you know, kindness is, is a, is real power. It's where we access our genuine power our power to create, to collaborate, to build, to ease, to nurture, to, it is our, the, the fundament of our creative power. Um, and I think that that, it, it is really important for us to rescue kindness from being conflated with somehow weakness or being a pushover. Um, you know, the, the word kindness has been really undermined, I think, particularly in the last 200 years where, you know, we've had, um, the predominance of the age of reason and the, the age of reason has brought us astonishing things. It's, you know, except you and I wouldn't be having this conversation without it, but at the expense of a lot of our, um, the attributes of what we are as humankind, as you say. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's also, it sounds like you've got your own version of Bitcoin, which is kind of pay. Yeah, version of Bitcoin, except we, you know, we use doesn't, it a great deal. Doesn't take as much energy to run as... Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> as a nun, um, so yes, kind of pay came really came from I think my own personal. Uh, I, I hesitate to use the word obsession, but I think it may be appropriate. Uh, obsession with how, as human beings, we understand value, how we attribute value what we decide is valuable and what we decide crucially isn't valuable and the consequences of that. And I think as my background uh, as a lawyer and a VC really informed my, you know, genuine confusion around how we do that, you know, that, 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 that we could build, for example, a VC culture where the idea of move fast and break things was, you know, something to be, um, applauded and aspired to um, even the process of how companies were valued we, we specialized in mobile telecommunications that was our kind of sweet spot mm -hmm. in our fund and how those companies were valued 
the implications of the dot-com boom. And then all of the effects of, of that, you know, how, you know, even in energy companies, you know, all of the things that are off balance sheet, um, like the resources of the planet, <laughs> which if they were on balance sheet would mean that those companies would look a great deal less attractive than they mm -hmm. did for a hundred years. And um, so it would, that sort of obsession that I had when, when, as I was in Peace Beam and we were really holding these radical ideas around value and we had to do it ourselves internally as well mm -hmm. to really be able to, you know, because you've got to, you've got to authentically live what you're talking about. So that meant that, you know, our, all of our equity was divided completely equally, regardless of the usual parameters that people would have around, you know, how much time was given or how much work was done. So we were really radical about that. And then we were really radical about, you know, making a decision that we were going to use all other forms of capital and we were going to build the company like that, allow it to scale in its own way, allow it to grow organically. So really taking it outside all of the normal parameters and kind of pay was a logical conclusion of that for us. So if we as a company and as a movement, as an, as an idea are putting kindness as a superpower and front and foremost of um, the human power that will imagine and can build a more thriving world, then we would have to accept that as invaluable and good exchange for the for the stuff that we produce. And so, you know, we looked at we looked at that for you know maybe uh, about ten months. We were testing it with with people. We found that it was quite difficult to communicate what the idea was. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're producing a white paper on it with, um, in conjunction with the LSE, uh, one of the PhDs from their anthropology department. Uh, we're really looking at whether this has the potential to be something that can be used by other organizations and other companies. And so in very simply, the idea is that we accept money for our products, but we will also accept kindness. So you write to us with three acts of kindness and we'll send you a voucher to buy any of our products. So it's, we're really living into that. If we're deciding everything is valuable, then it's valuable. So what, and what does that mean? What, what does that, how does that actually play out into the lived experience? Is it possible in the context of our current system to do that? All of those things. So it's very, yeah, it's kind of very at the edge of what would be considered sane, I think, in a commercial setting, but not not so crazy as you might think as well, because obviously the alternative currency world has a very different understanding of value. So to just those kindnesses can be um, given to other people that are not you, but oh, yeah, traded absolutely. in with you. So obviously it'd work yeah. if, it, if it's macroed up, it'd work very well because everyone's just kind to each other. Yeah. Um, and, but but how does it work? Because obviously it's got to, any any new currency like Bitcoin has got yeah. to work in hybrid with the old currencies. Because yeah. I guess you still got some bills where you need some you need to pay yes, some bills. Do. You need yeah. to put food on the table. This sort yeah. of stuff. And, so, and, yeah. and Tesco wouldn't take wouldn't take no, a kindness for some groceries. No, not yet. <laughs> but so 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 part of the part of the exploration around kind of pay is so that we we hold those questions right. We you know. So as a company, what that means for us is that we have all of our B2C, so um, how we would describe that is anything that we put out for our listeners. So we have a lot of listeners on Insight Time, or we have a lot of people who come to our website. 
Anything that we produce for them will be available using Kinderpay. We also produce material for um, other businesses and for third level. Um, so we do a huge amount of work with the London School of Economics, their accelerator. We produce a lot of material for them, which we charge for. So that sort of that balance that allows us, if you like, to experiment okay. with kind of pay. But our idea is to really, if we believe in interconnection, um, and not just as something nice to say, but as something that is an actual fact, then how does that translate into how we live in real terms? So if I believe that you doing a kind act to another person or an animal or something good for the planet on the other side of the world has a direct impact on me, creates a peace beam, creates a soul wave, then, 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 we, then we live like that. We believe that you know, you're creating a world in which we can all thrive. And so we are going to take that in exchange for what we give to the world as well. Wow, how wonderful. How wonderful. So, um, because we're doing this, we're having this um, this conversation in what was hopefully the end of lockdown three in okay. the UK. Obviously, people, a podcast has got a long shelf life, so someone might listen to this in uh, yeah. 10 years' time or so. Um, but we, even though the pandemic has been pretty horrendous for the world, it's seen lots of kindness come from it. You know, all the stuff that Captain Tom did and, yes. and Sir Captain Tom and all the people that have said, well, I'll just look after my neighbours and stuff like that. So in some ways, it's been a great reset for the planet. And I guess also then it's a great time for something like Kinder Pay to, to become a real currency. Yeah, I, th I hope so. And I think certainly there is, certainly there is that potential. Because again, I think that, you know, going back to trying to explain some of these, these ideas three or four years ago was a lot trickier than it is now. Mm -hmm. So people, as a result of the impact of the last 12 months, people can understand viscerally, like in their real lived experience, how vital kindness is that it is, it is literally the west the weft and the weave of the tapestry of a rich life you know um and i think that we all of a sudden could understand how we have become quite maybe cut off or displaced from the acts of kindness that create that richness that create community that create the sense of belonging whereas and before perhaps we didn't really notice as much you know we were we were more distracted from our day to day we weren't, you know, very few of us were probably really living in the present time. And I think the impact of the pandemic has been that, you know, firstly, people have had to stay in one place for long periods of time, which hasn't been normal in our society. And as a result of that, we've been able to see where we are in relationship to that place, to the people in that place, to the people in our family, in, in relationship to ourselves, and how kindness flows in all of those relationships. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that that those understandings, whether whether or not kind of pay becomes um, a recognisable currency, I'm hopeful that those those understandings stay with all of us. Yeah, I guess I'm, I've been relating to Bitcoin. It's, it's more like a philosophy than a, a currency to some extent, isn't it? Well, I suppose all currencies are like a philosophy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, it we, it we takes gather, trust. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, what's interesting, I think, at the moment is the first time in human history where every single currency on the planet is a fiat currency is one based entirely on trust yeah. nothing is backed anymore so which is why you know we are ripe for for change it is possible for us to transfer our understanding of value to place our trust which is a placement of power 
um, behind other things. So instead of I promise to pay the bearer, it's like I promise to be kind every every single day. Right. But the other thing that we <laughs> we found that is quite interesting about kinder pay is that with a lot of other alternative currencies or virtual currencies, there there is a pegging issue, even with Bitcoin, that Bitcoin's you know, is a great idea and sounds like a marvelous thing for the future, but we still translate it back into what is that in real cash, right? Yes. Whereas with kinder pay, what we say is it's any three acts of kindness, whether that's for yourself, for the planet, for animals, or for somebody else, because you can't measure the impact of an act of kindness in the way that we would traditionally measure uh, other forms of capital. It's not based on quantity. Because a smile could be the difference between whether somebody decides to live or die, literally. And, and, and I know that there are cases uh, where that has been the truth, where somebody who was really in tremendous despair and the fact that a stranger smiled to them made, made them make a different decision. So whether you're planting a million trees or smiling at a stranger, there's no way for us to measure the ripples, the soul waves, the peace beams of those acts. Wow. So it's a completely different basis for a currency, if you like. Well, you can't monetize it as such. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, another aspect of this then is is uh, your philosophy and your guidance, which I've been listening to uh, just this morning on forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess then the forgiveness is almost like a precursor to this new world, this new kind of world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I haven't actually drawn that parallel, Tom, but yeah, I think you're yeah, right. We've got to get, we've got yeah, we've got to go through that phase to forgive ourselves for the old ways, for I, the new ways to come in. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think that's right. You know, and that's, so we, like you, you know, we have a lot of material on Insight Timer, but this is the first time we've actually done a course that's on um, Insight Timer. And I wanted to do it on forgiveness because I feel that, it is a stumbling block for so many of us. Particularly, I think we have in our, um, our modern understanding of um, even of uh, mindfulness or consciousness-based activity, we still have a sense, I think so many of us have a sense that we ought to be getting things over and done with quickly that we ought to be able to let go, that we ought to be able to establish good and healthy boundaries and move on to some kind of, you know, better version of ourselves. And I think for so many of us, these, these things are really difficult to do. You know, they take time, they take a great deal of patience, it takes a great deal of self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, uh, in order to allow ourselves to expand into the real possibility of ourselves. And I think with forgiveness, my experience was that I would often be really disappointed where I thought that I had dealt with something and moved on only to find that it was a landmine somewhere in me. And, you know, years later, maybe the same event would come back. And I found that, you know, I was, it was still had huge emotional charge. And it was only through really understanding that, you know, forgiveness is a, is a presence. It's an energy that we can invite in. Uh, and with the combination of patience and time, we can allow it to do its work and its work is love, right? Mm -hmm. But it has to do that work in us. We have to allow it um, to be in us. And I had a, a comment from somebody yesterday um, who was, you know, struck by 
the fact that even though things come back up, that we found, and maybe we find that we're unable to forgive some things, but we can forgive ourselves for not being able to forgive. And I think that's the point that I really wanted to get across with the course is that um, forgiveness is, it's, it's an entire field of goodness and possibility that we can allow ourselves to rest in, as opposed to some kind of like silver bullet solution that we need to, you know, achieve and then move on to the next thing with. So I'm hoping it's not the last course you put together on Insight Time, because I don't know if you spotted, but I got one called The Art of Timefulness, and it sounds like it's a very nice bedfellow. The Art of Kindfulness would sit there very nicely. And in my philosophy, mindfulness leads to timefulness, because it gives you more time. Yes. And then once you've got more time, you've got more time to be kind. Exactly. And the first thing I say in, in, in some of my meditations is be kind to yourself first because no yeah. one else can breathe to you. An, an airplane depressurizes, put your own mask on first, be kind to yourself first and then be kind to someone else and then be kind to the planet and then it comes full circle. And I guess the same is true of forgiveness. Be Forgiving yourself first must be like one of the precursors. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, I think it, it absolutely is, you know, and I think it's that step that is missed, you know, by most of us, right? You know, we, 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 we are very hard on ourselves, you know, and we think that if we somehow, and I think there's a lot of shame as well. I think one, I mean, positive psychology, I think has done, you know, has been incredibly helpful, but I think one of the unfortunate side effects of it is that we, can feel a bit ashamed of, you know, where we, yeah, where we maybe haven't been able to let go of something or where we can't be positive about something. Mm. Yeah. So we were talking before about um, uh, my book, Soul Waves, and how it starts in 2058 in Beijing. So in uh, 2058, 2060, so um, four decades from now, when kind of pay is the de facto currency of the planet because we discovered a better way to be, what world do we evolve into? What world did we evolve into? What do we leave behind, and what do we then in uh, uh, what do we then leave as a legacy for our our children, grandchildren to to inherit? I mean, there's so gosh, there's so much to say, really. Um, but if I, I think if I was going to keep it brief, which I think is important. <laughs> I think the world that we, the world we leave behind is one where we have fully integrated um, the power of receptivity, the power of collaboration, the power of kindness and the power therefore of possibility. And I know these are all very traditionally, they are feminine principles, they are, you know, the, the kind of action of the feminine in the world. Uh, but I feel now that there is that moment and that possibility where these can be fully integrated in ourselves individually and therefore in the world that we live in. Um, and in a world where kind of pay had become the de facto um, currency, it would, be, it, it would be inevitable, I think, that those principles had been fully integrated and were capable of being fully expressed. Wow. Because we have noticed that, haven't we, over the last years, is, is, is the, the countries that are led 
by feminine energy seem to have dealt with coronavirus slightly better than the ones that have been dominated by male energy. And so how can we help these uh, males then to into a kinder world that might be a bit fearful of it all and, and, and letting go is, is quite tough, isn't it? Of, well, I don't, you know, Tom, I don't think it's just males, you know, I think it's for women and yeah. men, you know, the feminine principle in all of us has been, you know, profoundly undermined for mm-hmm. millennia, you know, it just, it didn't happen last week. It's for millennia. So these are intergenerational wounds that we all inherit I think the process that we are going through collectively, the difficulties that we're facing, the consequences that we are also right up front and center with in terms of the impact on uh, planets, on on how we live, on the air that we breathe. um, The process of really coming face to face with the consequences of our actions is is in fact i think our medicine it's where you know we can understand that those the feminine in all of us the feminine in the world the feminine in our relationships um once expressed right with that we'll find a way to move through some of the existential crises that we face at the moment wow that's deep stuff isn't it wow So what's what's next for you in this? When, when you when you come out of the physical lockdown, mm-hmm. um, what's next for um, uh, for you, Jane, and for Peace Beam? What's what's the, the next year going to unfold for you? Well, I mean, one thing, Tom, that I think I mean I kind of knew anyway, but certainly lockdown has shown us that you know God really does laugh at when we make plans. <laughs> so I mean, I have an idea of what I would like. Um, for us, really, it's um, it's really establishing kind of pay and finding we would like to find some partners who are willing to experiment with it um, mm-hmm. with us. We want to produce this white paper that we're producing um, with the LSE and really to produce just continue to produce more content with Peacebeam. We do, you know, as I said, that we do a lot of um, B2B um, material as well. But one thing that we a decision that we made quite recently, actually, is that we're going to step away from social media. Um, not that we're going to come off platforms, but we're going to be posting less and really focusing our energy on producing the rich and thoughtful content that we are best at. You know, We found um, over the last couple of years, we've been debating this a lot about whether you know, social media um, can take away, I think, a lot of time that is better spent um, by us producing content. So really that's what we want to do over the next uh, 12 months is just keep producing um, more of the stuff that we can and making kind of pay um, as visible as possible and as partnered as we can. Well, a very simple kindness for anyone to pay with would be to take any of the nuggets of your content and share it with a couple of friends so that, that, yeah. that your social media yeah. um that the social media energy can come from your 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 listeners and your readers exactly yeah. who are who are probably going to be a great deal better at using social media than um than we are you know i mean that's the one thing you know in peace because we're an all-female team in peace beam as well and we're very good at you know understanding where our strengths really lie but yeah. also what our limitations are even energetic limitations you know <laughs> and um yeah social media has been useful for us but what is more useful for us is producing our content so fantastic so if anyone's listening to this and wants to uh, increase their kind of paid bank balance then 
where's the best place for people to find you uh, on the web and on, on the Insight Timer? So, uh, so well, we are on Insight Timer under Peacebeam and on the web, all of our content is available um, using Kinderpane mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it's www.peacebeam.com. Fantastic. Very easy. Yeah. Well, it's been a real delight and a pleasure, uh, Jane. I hope this is the first of many, many conversations that we have. And uh, thanks for all your kindness. Much appreciated. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. It's been a real pleasure as well. Thank you for having me. And just before we go, uh, Jane, you very kindly said that you'd share uh, a meditation with us. And the one that really resonated with me was love and gravity. Could you tell me a little bit about that meditation before we play it out? And if you're, if you're driving while you listen to this podcast, do pull over because I guarantee it's not safe to drive and listen to Jane. Uh, that's that's very kind of you, Tom. Um, well, this was written, I wrote this, I think, maybe uh, about 24 months ago. And it came from, came from a dream, actually, that I had, where I understood that gravity, as opposed to being a force that, you know, pulls us down or keeps us in a particular place, is is a force of love holding us close to the earth. And it's quite difficult to, as you know, right? It's quite difficult to recount a dream. Um, What the sensation of a dream was or even the understanding of a dream. And so writing the meditation was the best way for me to impart that. So it's about, yeah, it's about love. (laughs) Thanks for sharing love and gravity. Hi, welcome to Peace Beam. Let us begin. Step one, notice. Just take a few moments here and hold the question, how do I feel today? And see what comes back. And just notice it. Step two, breathe. Just bring your attention now to your breath and rest it there gently, observing the inhale and the exhale. And just be here for a few moments breathing. And now just start to imagine that your breath is flowing in and out through your heart and that the rhythm of your heart and the rhythm of your breath are uniting, connecting, greeting each other here. Creating a space for you to drop into for these few brief moments. Step three, activate. When we contemplate our planet, sometimes we can feel connected, especially when we're in nature, a sunset over an endless ocean the silky silence of a towering forest. 
the secret calls of twilight and indigo dusks. Sometimes it's more difficult, especially in busy cities, it's hard to feel that deep link. In those moments when we do feel the connection, we can feel something deep in us. Something like recognition, something magnetic, something like the pull of gravity. And maybe the pull is gravity in its literal sense. Gravity pulls us to the earth, keeps us close, tethered, gathered in, all of us, here. And when we feel those moments of deep connection to the Earth's beauty, it's as though we see beyond the mechanics of gravity into its mysterious heart. That maybe it is the love between ourselves and the Earth. The Earth keeps her loved ones close. Our home, our planet is the largest being that we will ever know. This living, dynamic, spinning, dazzling blue planet is our friend and companion from the first breath to our last heartbeat. So today we're going to deepen our connection to our companion Earth by considering gravity as a sign of the love and companionship between us and our world. Held firm to our giant friend and all of her gifts, spinning together in the infinite blackness of space. Step four, beam. Look around you now and observe the law of gravity and think of this the earth is always holding you close and let that realization fill you with gratitude today and beam that energy out from your heart to the earth and to the people that you meet today have a beautiful day